0: Welcome to Christie's Comedy Pod. I have the car on, so I so apologize if you can hear the car the whole time. I might have to fix the audio a little bit around to see if I can make sure y'all don't hear the car running the whole time. But my phone was dying. But I like, you know, it's the middle of the night. I snuck out of my parents' house and drove to a hospital so that I could do this. And then I was like, oh, fuck, my phone is about to die. So I have to just have my car on and running so the battery doesn't go out. Like, it's just crazy. Uh, I just listened back to my last podcast, which is important to do. Um, I remember when I was first getting into kind of YouTubing and stuff. And um, I was so fucking... Sorry, I'm trying not to say fucking anymore because... In my last podcast, I said that word about a thousand times, and it's not cute. It's too much. I said a lot of things, a lot, in the last podcast. Like, I would repeat myself a lot, and I don't know if, if you're a stranger and you're hearing it. Maybe it wasn't as infuriating, because I, I already knew what I was going to say, so I was like, Get on with it! Because like, I would just talk for so long about before I would get on with it. Um, and that's just me. Like I need to, I have to have practice and get better at being smart and doing a good podcast. I'm pretty new still, but I'm trying to, I'm not going to say fucking as much. Like I I said that constantly and it's just because I was trying to be funny and apparently me trying to be funny make, makes me say that word a lot. And also say, like, calling you a bitch, being like, no bitch, like, that whole thing, that's, I don't, I don't say that to my friends, you know. So, we're gonna get better, and so, when I first got into YouTubing at all, and I was kind of doing research about it, I remember somebody saying that it's like therapy, that it makes them, that it made them a better person. I was watching some YouTube video about somebody who had gone through doing YouTube videos of themselves and they were like, it made me such a better person because I would film myself talking and then I would watch it back and I would get to see all the little things that were dumb that I do. And then I would film myself talking again a little bit better the next day and like the next day a little bit better, and I would slowly uh, chip away at the weird, you know, movements I make, the weird things that I say. Um, I I would slowly be able to perfect the way I look and sound talking. So, that's amazing, and I'm gonna bring in video myself. To this, this is gonna this is gonna end up obviously having a video. It's just that it's gonna take longer to upload once it has like a whole, a whole video file on it, and also it's a whole nother. You know, pe- a lot of people act differently when there's a camera on, and I don't. When there's like when there's people around, I'm able to stay the same with it. when a camera turns on. I'm able to do that, but I think alone. Turning on the audio itself, doing this podcast, it took me a while. Like, it took me a little while to... Oh my god, I'm getting nervous thinking about it now. Like, um, try to form a genuine relationship where it was sincere and didn't have... Oh my god, this is too much of, like, a fourth wall moment. I can't. I can't do this. But anyways, I'm still working on that, just with the audio. And I'm a slow... Stupid girl. I'm so slow that I Need to give that it's time. I don't want to I don't want to move too fast I really want to give it time because I really respect I don't want to make a mistake and then and then stop my progress or something um, When I if I just add video I will be aware that I'm being recorded and I might act differently Um, from what I'm trying to do now So I, I want to make sure that that transition That I'm ready for that So that I, so that I don't act different Um, and that I feel confident With a camera doing this Okay Um, but I want to do it soon I, I, I'm nearly ready And that's exciting Because it is, it does feel like a waste Having these, um, these podcasts being only audio Files it does feel like a waste Because I know that It's just so much easier to Show to people when there's a video involved Um And yeah so There there was just things that I need to Do better I like that I enjoy it I I think that my podcast is kind of good Um I think it's good So mm, Um I am watching Survivor with my family. It's a... I feel like nobody watches Survivor. I'm so glad it's still going on. It was the very first reality TV show ever, and it's real. Uh, It's a real social experiment that they care a lot about. Like, the people that are around Survivor and... You know, working on it and managing it, they care so much about it. It's almost like a church where even when the church is struggling financially, they keep it going. They're willing to put money out from their own pockets into it. They're willing to like to struggle because they care enough about the project itself. Um, it's not about are there enough profits coming in? Are we losing money on this? I think they're going to keep it going. Um, but it's sad that, you know, nobody watches it, kind of, and you can tell when you watch it, you can tell that they have very few sponsors, um, so it's, it's nerve-wracking, but I think way more people should watch it, because it's riveting, it is so riveting, I'll roll my eyes and skip a few seasons, I'll be like, ugh, ugh, no, come on. There's a reason why nobody watches, it's lame, and I'll skip a few seasons and then I'll peek in at a random episode that my family's watching and I'm back in. It is the greatest show ever. Um, I remember one time this guy who, he, he had played previously, and he was a weak nerd, the weakest possible nerd that you could possibly think of. His name was Cochran. He's a public figure now. So he, he came back and played again. And Cochran had done his PhD thesis on how to win Survivor. Um, and it was the, the psychological strategies of how to win Survivor. And I had my money on him from the moment I know, knew he was going to be in the, next, in the next game. I had my money on him. And he, he's so weak and he's not socially capable. Like There's just so many things. So he won, bitch. Sorry I called you a bitch. I don't know if I should... I don't know. Sorry. He won. And it was the best thing ever. Every single tribal council, which The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, so many shows use the same music and the same, you know, video panning and the same stuff from the original tribal councils from Survivor. They, they all take from it so much. Um, And it's, it's like Seinfeld, it's like just such a masterpiece of a show and it's still going on. Um, And it's great and it's different every single season. Uh, But anyways, when Cochran played and won, every single tribal council, Jeff, the host, would say, What, um, Cochran, what did your thesis statement say about this situation? And Cochran would like go, you know, talk about the strategy. Like, well, it's either this or this or this. Like, it was so amazing. Um, my dad's colleague, he was a teacher. My, you know, one of the other teachers' daughters played Survivor. Her name was Poverty. Poverty sounds like poverty, but it's poverty. She's like a a pretty. She was a pretty young girl. Um, she played and won. And she is down in history as the best player ever in Survivor history. Like she, she got on, um, she got on as like a staff member and stuff afterwards because she, she was just so good, and it was amazing seeing the way she played. Like um, she played, she made everybody fall in love with her. Like, like almost sexually. Like at the very end, um, the rest of the cast who gets voted out comes and interviews you to see if uh you or or two other people deserve the million dollars like the vote and this one woman was like poverty were were you flirting with every one of us like men and women like what was that it was like you were flirting with us it was like each one of us felt like we were falling in love with you and you were the same to us like what was that and poverty was like that's just kind of my thing like, I'm just a kind of a flirtatious... But she just had this uh, way of... I mean, there's a quote where it's like... Whoever figures out how to hold the hearts of men in their hand... Like, you know, has the most power ever. Like, she was able to get every single person to be so uh, in love with her... That she went down in history as the best player in history. Um, she got people... Like, sometimes, sometimes people find or earn a immunity idol so that they have immunity so that they can't get voted out for the the, that week and she got two different people to give her their immunity idol which is not that never happened before and they got voted out like they got voted out they gave it away to her it was just so crazy like there's just so many things and um what was I gonna say like I, there's just so many things like well I've been watching it since I was a kid and I've always wanted to play And it's not that I think I would win like that's the thing is you you say that you oh I, I would love to play survivor and people kind of say hurtful shit um I said it to my friend who I'm in a fight with his name well I'm not even gonna give the justice of his name he's this bitch that other people agree is a bitch but we were friends for a while. And um, I was like, I mentioned we both like Survivor. And I mentioned I was like, oh, I would love to play that game. And he was like, they, as soon as everybody met you on, that, on the island, they would all say, fuck that girl. Like, they would all dislike me. And that just hurt my feelings. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? You like me? Like, you invite me to your house every single day. Stop. That, like, hurts my feelings. It's not that I think I would win. I would just be, like, I would just, I would just really just have fun and basically try my best and really enjoy the experience. I would not be stressing about winning at all, honestly. I, I would not think enough that I had a chance to win. And hopefully I would go far for the experience, to be honest. But, um... And I mentioned it again today because they were... Asking people to apply for Survivor, and it's kind of like, I'm sure they don't get that many applications, like, not that many people watch this. So, I just mentioned to my family, I was like, this is a good time to say that I will probably be applying to Survivor, and I I would want you guys to kind of not watch it. I wouldn't want you guys to watch that season, because my family is very judgmental, and... I don't want them to watch anything that I do. I've always blocked my whole family from, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can't block people like, you know. I just tell them please don't watch me because they're not supportive. They don't, they don't like comedy. They don't like me, my personality. They just don't. It's not good. And I was like, I, I would, I would love for you guys to not watch that season. And and I'm probably gonna apply. <laughs> To Survivor. So, the first thing is my dad was like, oh shit, i sorry this. One of my family members was like, wait, what would you do? What would you say on there? Like, why don't you want us to watch it? And I was like, it's not that I would do or say anything weird. It's just that, I mean, look, Survivor used to be really ruthless and it still can be. Every single season is different where, I mean, each week they're deciding to vote someone off the island And so they will talk badly about you, right? It'll highlight your flaws. They'll be like, look how annoying she is, you know, and and then the producers will highlight how annoying you are and they'll be like, we got to vote her off. We don't like her. And that has happened. It's been a very ruthless game that makes, that shows your whole family how people hate you and like a lot of times voting people off was based on you not liking them. And so that's very ruthless to, to, to watch back a bunch of people choose to get rid of you um, and, like, explain to each other why. That's pretty ruthless. N- now it's often more strategy-based, so it's not as much about your flaws. Um, also, I would be on my best behavior. I would be trying as hard as I could to be, like, a nice person, and I wouldn't be, like... I think if I stressed about winning, I could come off badly um, because I'd be, you know, focusing on winning and not focusing. I've, I've been able to focus on being a nice person and actually succeed at it before. So, like, I think I would be able to just be cool and be likable and just relax and not try to be anything else than that. You know, just be a happy camper. So, So, first of all, Well, that was just going into the fact that then my other family member said, haven't you said that groups of people don't like you? Which is a weird thing to say, but what what that person was trying to say is that aren't they not going to like you? You know, these people aren't. My family believed that if I play Survivor, they're going to watch a bunch of people dislike me on TV. That's what they believe. And so I got in a fight with them like an hour ago about this. And I was like, number one, you won't watch it because I'm asking you not to watch it. And please respect my privacy. Like, this is a life experience. You've had me watch this for my whole life and I want to do it. Um, so leave me alone. Seriously. Don't be the bane of my existence. Please stop. And then number two stop. Like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna dislike me. Like, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll be cool. I won't try to be funny. I won't try to be, you know, I'll, I won't try to be anything. I'll just be nice and I'll be, I'll have fun and I'll build relationships with everyone and just be, like, trying to enjoy it. So, stop. I'm not annoying. I'm i I'm a very easy person to camp with. I, I do the, I do chores happily. You know, I don't argue. So, chill out that's all I have to say about that I'm sorry um it's just that like some people say oh I can't come out as gay until my father dies because the their father is the bane of their existence they can't even be who they are because of their father's judgment they have to wait for him to die and that's how I feel like I've felt that so bubbling inside of me. Like, oh, I can't be myself until my family dies because they're always going to find out. You know, they are always going to come see. What if I wanted to be kind of a sexual model and put out kind of sexual stuff? They will see, bro. People are going to send it to them. And I care about that. Uh, You know saying crazy things online. It's a little bit easier because I've, I've asked them apparently by the, apparently people that they know send them stuff and try to report back of like what they, what they found of me online. They try to say, Oh, I found this about Christy," And they try to send them videos of me doing comedy and It's a little bit easier to just not watch a video. To just not click on an audio file. And just to know, hey, this isn't any of my business. And they're kind of, I think they are able to do that because they're so afraid. My mom was like, she's so frozen with fear. Oops, I said my mom again. Oh my god. They're so afraid of what they will find. Um, And I'm like, great, that's good. Give me my privacy. I know that it's. The internet, but you can just focus on everything else on the internet and not me. Could you please just do that? And by the way, if you listening now are somebody who knows my family or are one of my family members or anything like that, and you are going to take anything negative possible and try to report it back to kind of my family, fuck you. You miserable old piece of shit. Get the fuck off this line and go find something better to do with your godforsaken time on this earth. Go wash your ass. You are so gross. Okay, that's enough. Um sorry, that was weird. I, I started thinking about specific people, like I'm just so tired of people reporting back. My mom's like, oh, God, I said it again. But, like, my, some of my family is like, oh, we don't watch it ourselves, but we hear, you know, we hear a lot of our friends talking about it. It's like, wow, dude, maybe your friends shouldn't be – okay. Um, so, New Year's Eve is, like, tomorrow – I don't want to do anything. I really don't feel like doing anything for New Year's Eve. I'm. If you are doing something, I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. I just don't feel like doing anything. I really don't. Like I'm gonna do my stuff. What I love to do on New Year's Eve or just around that time is um, I have serious, I have a document that I fill out about you know, what happened last year and what I want for this next year. And it really gets me in my plan for the next year. And I love to do that document. Um, and then I love to set up what my goals are and the little graphs and scales and stuff for measuring out my goals throughout the year. Um, you know, when a goal is far away, it's hard to be motivated. And not when it's at a long distance away, it's hard to stay kind of motivated to work on the little things so you have to break up a goal into little you know little checkpoints little milestones and kind of be able to measure it that which is measured always grows that whole thing somebody was like oh people overestimate what they can do in a year but they underestimate what they can do in a decade and so just planning out the year and seeing the, you know, being able to step back, I have all of my um, other years in the same in the same notebook, so I'm able to step back and see the decade. That quote of like people can o- people overestimate what they can do in a year, and they underestimate what they can do in a decade is huge because in almost any industry, within a year, it's really hard to get even more than two promotions. It's really hard to just. To just get further. Within a year. But if you stick to it. In pretty much any industry. Within 10 years you're like a boss. You're like a fucking. Top dog. Within 10 years. And you, you underestimate that. That it's just 10 years. Um, you have to obviously enjoy the journey. So if you're not going to enjoy the journey. You should get out of there. But... Um, You know, with comedy, you might not know this, but like a lot of the best comedians ever, it it usually took them about 10 years from the time that they started to the time that they became successful. And pretty much every comedian that makes it, like there's tons of them, and uh, it's pretty much about 10 years. It's almost like a science, like to a T. And so a lot of us like me, you know, I started at fucking 0 or negative 10. And so I'm able to keep calm and carry on because I'm like, okay, just, you know, just 10 years, just relax. Step on it, but also um I would like to get there sooner rather than later, but also, we're on a track here, and and everything's fine. Um, so, so for New Year's Eve tomorrow, I'm I'm mostly gonna be just doing that. That's what makes me excited. I'm I'm just not in the mood to what party with anybody. I don't know. I'm just not in the, in the mood. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I just didn't pla- I didn't know that it was gonna be tomorrow. I thought there was there was more time, and I don't know. Like, all day today, I just, I severely cleaned everything. I, I like, organized everything um, in my parents' house. So, uh, I just wanted to say one thing about the political swing from the pandemic. It's, like, a, it's it's a joke premise. I practice my joke premises on here, um, so that Hopefully they'll be able to be ready for me when I do stand-up comedy um, in a couple days again. But this one is like the political swing from the from the pandemic was so crazy. Like uh, it turned my aunt, who is a, was a Southern Baptist, you know, fragile old lady, offend, easily offended. This, You know It turned her into a gangster She walks around With no mask on She's like almost 80 years old With every single Premorbidity or whatever With every single comorbidity That is possible You know She has diabetes I mean she's just She walks around with no mask She hugs people who have COVID She is just she doesn't care. She's a gangster. This political swing turned her into a gangster, and it turned people like Nikki Glaser. It turned Bill Burr, to be honest. You know, it who Bill Burr I thought was a goddamn gangster before. Um, it turned so many people that I that I mean who who else? Seth Rogen. I mean. Um, God damn it. Who who else? It turned so many other people who used to be gangsters in my mind into my aunt. They literally walk around with, like, latex gloves on, masks. They're like, they they look fragile the way that they're walking around. And they're they're just so, uh, gotta stay on. Gotta stay on the message. Gotta stay on the message. Just all, everything is just always coming back to, guys, come on. Come on, stay... This is the truth! This is the truth! Which is what my aunt used to say about Jesus. You know, she used to just... It's the truth! It's the truth! It's the truth! Stay on message! Stay on message! And now she's... Now most of what she's doing is walking around town... Like a gangster. That's most of what she's doing now. It's completely switched. Okay. You see how I... I dance around the subject so much trying to figure out what I really want to say. Which I kind of have to do because that's how I figure out what I want to say. But listening back the last podcast, it was like I would repeat myself. Because I would go around in circles and I would repeat myself so much. So I need to figure that out. I'm going to do that less. Um... I'm currently taking part in a running challenge and it's that it's the David Goggins challenge where it's called the 4x4x48 so you do 4 miles every 4 hours for 48 hours. And I wanted to do it like longer than 48 hours like basically until I get back in shape cuz I lost my shape like I didn't go to the gym and I was just eating Christmas recipes. So I was like, let me just do that. I love to do extreme challenges um, because it's just fun for me. I don't know. I just like to do that. The problem with the 4x4x48 is that you have to to run, you have to do four miles. I walk a lot, too. You have to do four miles at midnight, 12 a.m., and then at 4 a.m., and then at 8 a.m., And those are times that my, I'm at my parents' house and they cannot mind their own business. They're very opposed to anything that is less than moderate behavior or anything that is other than moderate behavior. So like right now, for instance, I just left the house at midnight to come do this and my mom is probably, oh God, I said my mom again my family is probably, like, really worried. Because they saw that I left, like, they're like, why, what is she doing? But it's like, I love having an extreme life, you know, where, you you know, where I I have to get up at midnight and run four miles and then sleep for two hours and be, like, confused and and do it at four a.m. and do four miles. And sleep for another two hours, and then eight a.m. That's cool to me. I, I that's fun, but my my family would be so distraught if they found out I was doing that. They would, they would check in. They would call a therapist. It would be so much of a mess. So that was bothering me. That it's like I can't even do this running challenge that I wanted to. It's a simple two days. You know, a nice little running challenge. I can't even do it because they'll find out. And I remember the first time I went out, it took me an hour and a half, kind of. And I came back and one of my family members was there and just looked at me and goes, that was a long walk and they were upset. And, like, judging and, and stuff, it, it's it's hard to even describe. <laughs> like, they were trying to say that I was being crazy for walking an hour and a half. Like, in a bad way. Like, in a worried way. And I kind of had a response prepared, because I knew that this would happen. My response was, oh, I enjoyed it. Right? So it's like, oh, it's healthy. I enjoyed it. It's not that I have a goal... Or a weird plan. No, I just was enjoying myself. What about it? Right, so I, I, I was able to do that. But the thing about this challenge is that within two and a half hours, I have to go back out and do it again and again and again. And so they will keep being like, where di- Where were you? Right? Like, So I, I skipped it all night. And the next day I did it again, came back, and same family member goes, "Where have you been?" cuz cuz they can tell my car stays there, they can tell that it's like I must be walking around somewhere. Like, "Where have you been?" So, it's a problem and and that really bothers me that I'm being held back and I need to I need to go to Tampa. You know, I need to go somewhere else to do this running challenge properly. Um so, but it's a cool running challenge. I recommend it to everyone. You can easily do it. Like you are going to lose sleep, so you have to not have to like work, I guess. Um in in a in a traditional sense, but uh you know, even if you walk the whole 4 miles, it takes about an hour and a half to 2 hours probably two hours if you walk the, f- the whole four miles so uh sorry what was it so so then you have two hours to rest which is kind of like a lot of time to rest you can you can sleep for the whole two hours and then go again two hours walking two hours sleeping two hours walking two hours sleeping like you can do it And then if you jog at all, it starts to trim down on the time and give you more sleeping time. Like, it's a fun... I love that. Like, the way that it's doable, it's challenging, but it's also completely doable. I love that. So, I fucking recommend it to everybody, but I I can't really... I'm doing it a little bit, like, like two... Like, it's, it's six times a day, I think. And I'm doing, like, two to three times a day because I have to keep everything else natural with my with my family um but as soon as I get to Tampa I'm gonna I'm gonna do it properly like I I just want to do it so badly it's killing me um yeah okay I was reading Thomas Jefferson's biography and this is a joke premise by the way (laughs) Thomas Jefferson's biography for children so it's it's very cutesy, um, it's, it's all about Thomas Jefferson being a little boy and he was such a nice little boy, um, he's such a nice little boy and everybody loved him so much and he grew up as he was growing up, everybody loved him so much and the whole country, just everybody that met him just loved him so much. And then he, they said, you should be the president and he was like, are you sure? And they're like, yes, we love you so much. Please be the president. And he was like, okay, but I just want the country to be a, a good country for everyone. I want schools for girls because my sisters weren't allowed to go to school. And I really want them to be able to go to school. So schools for girls. And I like you guys. That was the book. It was so cute. One of the – it, it was kind of accurate too, though. I mean, they, they did like – um it was his actual accomplishments, so they just filled it in with with cute, cartoonish language. But one of the things was um, he was walking by the fields, like he was on, on. No, he was on a carriage riding through the fields, riding um, past the plantation fields. And there were slaves working in the plantation fields, right? And um, the way that it's worded, he go it's like it's like Tom you know was riding past, and all the people with darker skin were were picking you know like were working in the fields. And Tom wanted so badly to go out there and work with them and pick you know berries with them or whatever it was. He wanted so badly to do it, but he knew that he couldn't do that because his white skin would burn. And he was so jealous that they had dark skin, and they could be in the fields all day without burning. And he couldn't. He had to stay under the shade of his carriage so that he wouldn't, his skin wouldn't blister. What the fuck? Isn't that amazing that's such a positive way of looking at it? Cuz it's like a child's book like you know he was jealous of them. He was like, "Look at they get to be in the field. Can I go out there?" like and his family was like, "No, you you'll burn and blister if you go out there. They can be out there cuz they don't burn cuz of their skin." And he was like, "Oh man, whoa and so there I need like a punchline right and I can't think of one but I think we I think that's a good that was kind of a little bit of a good setup that I just did and then it just needs a (laughs) punchline which is the whole actual joke would be the punchline so that's great at least I tried Oh, right, so, um, being that you're probably maybe gonna write your, uh, New Year's Eve resolutions, kind of make a few goals for your next year, that kind of thing, uh, first of all, I hate, um, people post their, like, oh, this was my year, and here's for my next year, and, like, all this kind of stuff on social media. I hate um, those types of posts where the whole day, every single post is the same. It's not good. You know, you're not going to be adding anything when you're doing, when everyone's doing that. So I do not do those posts and stuff. Um, Yeah, so, whatever, but... I think it, it, it definitely is awesome to be able to look... To be able to plan a new kind of strategy moving forward and kind of set up things by year. I used to do my whole jobs and everything by year. Like, I would try to move to the next job at the year just to cut it off for taxes, like, cleanly. Okay. When you're making these goals... Um, A goal that's far away is hard to be motivated for sometimes. Um, I've said this before, but it just, like, hit me again when I was thinking about it again, so I wanted to just say it again. Um, I love it so much. Is The best thing to ask yourself when it's it's hard to be, like, really focusing on, okay, is this even doing anything? Like, my goal is so big, it's so far away, it's so in the distant future – is this even doing anything or should I just not be doing, right? Ask yourself, is what I'm doing right now making me closer or making me further away? That's a really simple, easy question to ask yourself. Like what I'm doing right now is making me (laughs) closer, right? You know, and it's not making me further away. But if I was actually not doing this and just at home making toast and putting butter on it and watching Netflix, which I've been known to do, that would not be making me closer. It would be making me further away. So if you're eating ice cream, like, yeah, you need to get closer to your goal. Even if it's distant, super distant. Okay, that's easy to understand. But uh, some people are get scared when they think about an unknown future. Like, if you're doing something that's original and it feels like maybe nobody's done it before or, or uh, yeah, nobody's done it before. You're doing something new. Y- you don't even know how to go about it. Nobody knows how to go about it. That can be scary. And it's like, oh, can, can I even do it? Is it gonna be bad? Somebody was saying, um, I was listening to, to somebody that did a bunch of things that were completely original ideas and they're, they're a billionaire now and they just did so many things that were just trailblazing so much ahead of, of, ahead of everybody else and different things. And um, they were like, I look at Unknown Futures as a script for me to write myself as a script for a great movie that I can write. So it's exciting instead of scary. Like for me to get from here point A to over there point B, it can be this horror movie where I fail or something like that. But like, what if, what if I can envision it being this amazing journey? And what would I want in that journey? You can literally outline a script for that movie of yours. Of like getting to that goal over there. Of like, oh, what if, what if at one point I end up over in, in this city. And I fall in love over here. And, and like do this over here. Like you, you make the entire movie yourself. And then see if that happens. And then live out that script yourself. It's pretty cool, and I feel like I agree with it a lot. Like, um, I'm able to travel. I know that next week I'll be in Tampa. I mean, unless I die. I'll just be in Tampa, and it's it's going to be sunny there, and I'm going to be running on the beach, and that's just going to happen. Right? Um, just, you know, I, I envision something, and then it happens. I, I just I make it happen, and... And it's just cool that I can I can make that part of my goals of like that's I'm going there, I'm gonna do shows, and I'm gonna get my summer body, and that's like part of my whole fucking journey of staying on my goals and, and doing them. Uh sorry if you didn't like that. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Ay, <laughs> ay, Okay. Oh. Well I don't know I mean I mentioned my ex-boyfriend In the last podcast And I was like I've, I had a dream where I Got closure on the fact That I don't even like spending that much time with him I don't even like spending time with him So I got over him I, I was like okay Maybe I, I don't I'm not so in love with him And wishing that he would come back to me it's fine, and I and I do feel over him since then, but I forgot to unfollow him on Instagram, and he posted a fucking, sorry, he posted a video today, he's retarded, by the way, like, if you watch his videos, he's retarded, but anyways, he posted a video where he's like, Talking about being married. He's like, I just got married. And he has, like, a marriage ring on. um, And it's just... And he's like, uh, yeah, my wife. I'm... I tied the knot. I'm married now. And no one knows if that's real or not. Because he's the type of person... Like, he's the type of poor... You know... Construction worker, like... Person... Like, he's just this type of guy who, like, yeah... You might have gone to the courthouse and gotten married to that girl that you left me for like you literally might have done that so um it's kind of a big deal for me but also it could easily just be a joke he just kind of said that for no reason he just found a wedding ring looking thing and just said that um it doesn't you know He's not a good comedian, so it, like, doesn't really, you, you don't know whether he's not, like, laughing. But, um, I just wanted to say that, I just wanted to, but yeah, I'm gonna unfollow it. That's another thing that you need to do to actually get over someone once it's, like, over, over, which that's how it is for me now with him. Like, unfollow them. You do not want to be, like, seeing them. God, ta- getting married and shit. Like, it's just so annoying. okay so queen elizabeth was the sorry i like paused a lot queen elizabeth was a great queen of england like she was one of the people who it was like pax romana like every everybody has been so obsessed with the with the time of peace in the roman empire pax romana cuz they were able to get so much done because it was peaceful and they they you know, people loved that, that they could actually fucking, sorry, they could actually focus on stuff. Um, and then it took a very long time to get to another one of those periods, which was the Elizabethan, Elizabethan (laughs) era, Elizabethan era, fuck, that is hard to say, Elizabethan era, Elizabethan era, (sighs) um... So she was able to keep things peaceful for, like, 40 years. And it was crazy because, I mean, she's a woman, but, like, yeah. But so she kept herself... um, The the public thought she was, like, a virgin the whole time. They thought that she was a a holier-than-thou, like, figure and stuff. And she talks about, you know, it took a lot of tact. She was very tactful in order to... Have this, have this peaceful per- perception, you know, it, there was this perception of peace just over the whole kingdom, and um, she was very tactful. It was kind of like, they, you know, salespeople say, you need to be like a duck on water, you know, everything looks completely peaceful above the water, you're just floating around, but underwater you're, you're treading vigorously. Um. and she was like that and there was a quote that she had and I think what it said is I see but I don't say I see but I don't say and it was that she would see people being like stupid and like she would see things that she didn't like people you know She would see problems. But she didn't, like, you know, she didn't cause a stir. You know, she obviously she uh, kind of fixed things that needed to be fixed, but most of it was just tact. Most of it was just peace. She saw, but she didn't say. And as a comedian, a lot of what I've been leaning towards for the past year has been kind of... I've been trying to... I've been, like, a rant comedian. I'm coming from New York, so I'm a very, like, confrontational Tim Dillon, a little Bill Burr sprinkled in there, rant-esque comedian. So I cause a stir. When I see, I fucking say. Right? Observation... Like, if you... If you, you know... If you say... If I see something weird that you just did... I ask you why, in front of everyone, that is not tact. I've known for a while that I don't have tact, I guess. I've chosen not to have it. Um, like, I remember when, like, towards the end of being kind of um, in the diplomat er- area, I used to work for the UN, and, like, uh, my, my fr- before I was a comedian, I was, like, trying to be a diplomat. And uh that whole thing during those years like towards the end i was really just like kind of speaking up a lot <laughs> about the problems and i remember one of the definitions of like how to be a good diplomat i remember reading one of them towards the end and it said you have to be tactful and kind of like reading into what tactful is and it was like you don't say things that you see you don't you don't stand up for what's right like you you don't ask questions it was very against my beliefs basically like it was it was like you have to just you have to just let people feel their pride and you just have to like let people do what they're doing and don't argue don't question don't try to um make things better and I was like what the fuck that is so it it sounds cute it sounds classy but if you knew how corrupt and bad the things that are going on are it's like you know what that what that actually it sounds good on paper like oh just 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 let everybody like leave everyone alone just let everyone do their thing it sounds good on paper but in the in the real world what that ends up looking like is extreme corruption people behaving in ways that are completely unacceptable you know people enslaving whoever they can possibly enslave at the UN at the time it was actually interns they were ens- like they were enslaving young people and uh, sorry that that takes my credibility away that I said that i know that that's like a really but um uh there was a lot of other stuff uh Every single president of um, the General Assembly, which is, like, a very... The president of the General Assembly of the UN was was found on extreme corruption, uh, you know, charges or whatever. Um, they were found to be womanizers. The entire UN, like, knew that they were founded to be one womanizers, collectors of large bribes. Uh, it, it's just... When you're not allowed to question the people around you and, like, stand up for what's right and say, Hey, wait, what what you said, I, I don't like what you just said there. Like, I don't like this. You know, let's let's talk about this. What's going on? When you can't do that because everyone is trying to be a diplomat and they're all trying to be tactful, you get what is currently at the UN. Weird shit. Everyone is quiet. And it's a mess. Nobody in there is walking around calling it out. No one. It's quiet. So, God. Um, anyways, but I have been trying to have a little bit more tact because I noticed that people who book comedy shows, they have to like the comedian. Personally, I noticed that. <laughs> um, and usually on the East Coast, on the East Coast, people are less um, personal with business. Like, I don't know. That's they, they they are personal, but they don't try to they don't try to make any a personal relationship negative. Like, if you're on the East Coast, you don't have that many like actually negative personal relationships. It's like no, I mean. You know, you guys, don't, you guys don't go out of the way to, like, have big grudges. You, you, everyone's about the hustle, you know, you're about y- your life, and I don't know. On the East Coast, there's less social problems, I feel like. Um, on the East Coast, no comedy show booker has ever been like, I just don't like Christy as a person. No one's ever been like that. Maybe they didn't. You know, maybe they kind of were like, I don't know, I don't like her that much. But they still booked me, they still worked with me, they still said hi. You know, we keep it about the, you know, hey, maybe I will like her later, I just don't really like her right now. Like, you know, kind of keep it professional a little on the East Coast. And the most West I've ever gotten, which is Austin, Texas... The bookers are very, um, it's very social in Austin, Texas. I've had the most social strife or whatever that I've ever had in my entire life there. People have like yelled, yeah, like cussed me out um, in front of other people for no actual reason. Like I didn't actually do anything wrong. And, and they're, and they just made, they're like, oh, you said this and it was, and it was mean. And I'm like, wait, no, what? And then they cuss me out in front of everyone and, and say like, you're blacklisted. Like, you're not invited here anymore. Like they say that and that, <laughs> sorry. They say that shit in Austin a lot. Like it's been a lot. Um, I kind of look like a drama queen in Austin and, and I'm, and I'm, it's like it's we it's just a little bit weird cuz like I'm I'm actually not like any e- on the east coast I don't have any enemies kind of like so it's just it's a little bit strange and I just noticed, you know, a lot of the com- um comedy show bookers in Austin were not really booking me because I just seem like you know, I'm just not part of the um steady people who are not involved in like Strife. These are people who are local Texans. I think they're used to it. I think they like, they they figure they know how to be a Western person, and I'm like trying to figure it out. I think a lot of it is tact. None of these people are confrontational. It's a lot of like secret, um, social, climy, socially stuff, like secret. Oh, sorry. I'm, like... anyways, I'm trying to be more tactful. Um, there's been a few times now that I've wanted to, like, um, say something dramatic to someone, whether it be talking bad about another person to someone, like, oh, dude, look at what this person just posted, whoa, like that, and I, and I've decided against it, because I'm like, no, I need to be more, um, like, less dramatic, I guess, I need to be less, um... Involved in drama I need to be more tactful Um one person who I mentioned earlier That I am in a fight with Like messaged me Um I posted about my The library I I got my parents for Christmas And he messaged me Nice gift Back Like uh about the post And dude I wrote out a long message Just Tearing him a new one I was, like, you wouldn't even know what nice was, like, or whatever. You wouldn't know what nice was, even if you... And, like, I just, like, I just really, like, told him who he is. Because I've spent so much time with him. Like, he's a bad guy, bro. Like, he talks so unreasonably badly about every single person that he knows. And he he's, like, race. There's just so many things, uh and i was like i know your opinions about everyone and about things i know who you are you've you've unleashed it to me like i'll talk badly about someone but it's like a reason it's like a thing one thing that they did and i'll like talk about the reasoning like do you think that that was a good thing like i kind of but he just says like a terrible thing like that he that they're a bad person like he'll just say like they're a demon or something you know Sorry, this is so boring for you. That's all I was trying to say, is that I'm just trying... I wrote out that long message to him, and I was like, no. What? Like, I just... I was like, I'm going to have more tact and be less in the drama. I'm just not going to reply to him. You know? That's just all I'm going to do. I'm not going to send him this thing, because then he'll be able to... Well, he'll he'll have that to kind of respond to, like, whatever, I'd rather him have more time to think about apologizing to me. And that's it. Like, maybe that'll inspire you to be, to try to be more tactful, because that's just what I'm doing right now. Of course, I want to talk about my observations and stuff as a comedian, but sometimes You should save it for the stage They say save it for the stage And some people that might be listening Might not be comedians You can save it for your Artistic expression Um, Don't put it into your Personal life Uh, that, That like You know kind of rage or whatever like the the, any of that kind of negativity that my comedic my comedic choice is kind of negativity of like pointing out problems that I observe and talking about them um when I bring that into my personal life it causes actual problems because then my my comedy show bookers don't book me and like people actually It actually creates drama. It actually... It's not... It's not all fun and games. Which I... Intend for it to be fun and games. But it's... It's not. So... They say save it for the stage. This podcast is... Counts as the stage. Like... It is my... You know... I'm able to... Put it here. I just remember like... Chris Rock who is a... Really great comedian. I think it was him. Um... He said one time, like, um, that somebody asked him, are you the person that's on stage or are you the person that is off stage? Because it's two very different people. Somebody asked him that once and he said, I'm the person on stage and every part of me that I am different off stage is to protect that person on stage I didn't understand him when he said that at first. I was like, okay, so what do you mean? Like, you know, I guess, yeah, you're like kissing ass. Like off stage, you're like going around kissing ass, doing business and trying to get more time on stage to be yourself. Like, but it was a little hard for me to understand. And now I'm learning more that like, if I want to be all crazy... On stage, I can't be that off stage because people people create pro- it creates problems. I need to be a more like polite, you know, tactful, steady business person off stage in order to give myself more time on stage. Okay, I hope that is usable for you. I thought it was going to be, and then I just realized that maybe it isn't. Um. Okay. I don't know if I mentioned to you guys that, like... I think I did, that NFTs... We all know that NFTs are ugly. I I would love... uh, Are there any... Are there any nice-looking NFTs, like, actually? Dude, imagine... Imagine thinking an NFT is worth it because it looks so good. Being like, oh, 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 that's so beautiful. It's like, we've seen the most beautiful things ever that a screen can provide for free on the Apple samples photos. Like when you first get your Apple iPhone or Apple laptop, Mac, and it gives you these sample photos, those are the most beautiful photos you can possibly see. Those mountain scapes and shit. That's the most beautiful thing you can possibly see. A 15-year-old little sexy child, you know, uh, po- child porn um, thing on TikTok, dancing. That's for free. That was a joke. I don't know. That was... but. I just can't imagine being like, damn, this NFT is so, like, it's so worth it. Like, I just, like, imagine being like, let me just see it again. Oh, 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 Like, I just, it's impossible. So I guess it's only right that, it's only right logically that they're ugly. Because why would they be pretty? There's no value there. They might as well be ugly. That's probably what it is. But, um, they, they look like, like, those bored apes and, like, everything. They look like what, what you see on telephone poles. They look like the stickers you see on telephone poles. They look like the stickers you see on a dive bar, punk rock dive bar bathroom mirror. Or, like, on the stall of a bathroom. They look like what you see in a freshman dorm, on the back of the weed of the weed dealer's laptop. You see that sticker on there. It's not worth sixty eight million dollars. Um. Okay. That was uh. I used to run an Airbnb. Um. I don't know if anybody else does, but it's pretty stressful. Um, if you have to constantly run an Airbnb, if it's like an occasional thing, then it can be cute and sweet. But if you have, because like sometimes you base your ability to pay rent on having a constant Airbnb person paying you, like and being there. And so in New York, I had a $3,000 a month apartment for three years. And I knew if I kind of almost constantly had an Airbnb um, in the second room, the second bedroom, then I could afford the, the $3,000 a month. So it was awful. Three years Three years. That taught me how to clean. My whole life, I was never able to like keep a place clean. I did not like doing dishes. You know, just keeping a place clean. Constant Airbnb guests. Like they will rate you badly. So you like. I had to keep cleaning and like keep the dishes. You know, put away. Um, And that taught me how to. You know, now I'm able to keep a place clean. It's pretty cool. You know, constantly uh, switching out sheets. Do not trust the bed sheets of an Airbnb. That's all I'm going to say right there. <laughs> because I did not want to... You know, I didn't have an in-home washer and dryer. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really want... Because sometimes it was like one day... Like a German would stay for one day, leave in the morning, and then immediately, you know, a fucking Brazilian would come... Like, literally an hour later, they'd stay a day, leave in the morning, and then immediately a French person would come an hour later. Like, this is how my life was for three years. By the way, these Brazilian, German, French people, they all, like, nobody, know, nobody understands how rude New Yorkers are. Like, nobody understands when they arrive to New York like, Manhattan and shit, like, what, they come all, uh, uh, cheery-eyed or whatever, not like, they come all happy, they're like, hi, oh my god, I'm from Germany, like, oh my god, hi, oh, do you, I'm sure you're so interested in me, like, they always, like, looked at me and, like, greeted me like I was probably interested in them. Oh my god! I'm from Brazil. I'm sure you had so you have so many questions. Um, let's go somewhere. Like, bitch! I'm a New Yorker. I'm so fucking tired. You suck. I don't give a fuck that you're from Germany. And by the way, I know this sounds like really negative, but this is just where I was at at the time. Like, this is a poor apartment. I'm a I'm a poor person. Like. Inside of Manhattan, like, this is the fucking jungle, dude. I don't care that you are from France. Like, you are a problem. Like, I, I have to clean up after you. Um, you are going to rate me badly, most likely. Like, just... When people would rate me badly, it would just stress me out so much. Oh my god. Um... Yeah, like... Um... You know, I couldn't hang out in the living room really because they would walk, you know, they would like walk through or you never knew if they were going to kind of take over the living room and then like I have to be in the bedroom. Bro, so many fucking things like I never. Yeah, I was just so rude to just so many like Europeans. Um, It was almost like I was systematically you know, demysticizing New York for just all the Europeans. Just like, okay, here's your room, here's your keys. I would try to be nice so that they don't rate me badly, but, like, it was very hard to, you know, muster. Like, I I was just so stressed out. Um, Some of the people that we had, like, I had this young European girl come, a black guy, like a black stranger New Yorker, Picked her up at the airport, like like sexually. Was like, hey girl, do you need a ride? You know, at the airport, and she was like, yeah, like she was this like, super excited, sixteen year old from Europe, <laughs> yeah. Picked her, drove her to my place, you know, and um, she's all excited. Like they go hang out, and later she breaks the bed. She breaks my bed and tears up the floors, having sex with him, I saw them having sex, they left the door open, I hear crashing and banging, I open my door to also get water from the refrigerator, and they are having sex, I've never seen people in real life, I don't know, they're having sex, like, I can see, it's crazy, dude, I, her mom was in, in communication with me because she was a 16 year old like and her mom like texted me like I hope she's safe or whatever and I really wanted to like tell on her for some reason but I didn't um I was like pissed because I knew they broke the bed and I you know I was like fucking really pissed off and I hated it so much whenever people had sex in the Airbnb because the idea like what the what the description is is that it's my bed that's the description is that uh, that it's my um, boyfriend's bed or whatever, like it, that it's our bed. And you know what I mean? So to have sex in it, like whenever I overheard people having sex, sometimes I overheard people having sex in my bed, literally my bed. And that would make me so mad. Like what you can't save it. You can't have any fucking respect in somebody else's house. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, what the fuck? What, my, does my bed make you horny? Fuck you. I don't know, it just really, it made me mad when that guy had sex with a little girl. And, um, but in the morning, I came out and the guy had left a note saying thank you, winky face, and 60 bucks. He left me $60. I think because he, I, maybe because he knew I broke, uh, that he broke the bed. He knew that he broke the bed. But, uh, I felt like a pimp after that. I was like, but he can come back. (laughs) He can come back because $60, like, uh, yeah. One time we had this guy who, um, he came in and he immediately, he he was staying for like 10 days, which was kind of a long time. Like he immediately talked to me about whether he could use, he could, he brought his own coffee maker. And he was, like, really talking about, like, I, I want to be able to make coffee. He's a- this European guy, you know, and he's immediately making these strong coffees with his own coffee maker in the kitchen. Um, here's what he is. He, we called him the mad pooper. This guy, this guy's whole life is revolved around anal stimulation, what he would do is he would constantly drink the strongest coffees possible. Like The whole apartment smelled like... You know when you go into a Starbucks and it smells like coffee? but or, or any coffee shop. It smells like coffee, but after a while you're like, wait a minute. Is this the smell of coffee or is this the smell of shit? Because all of these people are doing coffee shits and the smells blend together and it's almost like the shit is full of coffee itself and um, it just smells like... The whole thing is just coffee and shit. So our apartment smelled like that. Um, my room, you could kind of a little bit here in the bathroom, but not really. Um, he would he would drink coffee and then explode for like twenty minutes at a time in the bathroom, and then he would do it over and over and over again. Like I would, he- I could hear him just exploding. So it's I would stay out on the fire escape. For the whole 10 days, I was just out on the fire escape because I couldn't even be in the apartment. When I would have to go in the bathroom, there was brown juice all over the back of the toilet. Like, the whole... He sprayed out onto the whole... Just... Okay. Finally, after about four days, I... I texted him with a picture of the toilet, and I go, bro, I didn't say bro, I was like, there's brown juice, you know, all over the toilet, like, if you could please actually, like, you, I have to clean this with my own hands, just so you know, like, I'm with my own hands cleaning your brown juice, so just so you know, right, and so he said that he was terribly sorry, I think he was really embarrassed, Um, I think we had, like, two days left, actually. Because it was, like, pretty quick after that that he left. Um, I think he was pretty embarrassed. And he bought me... He, like, left a six-pack of beer in the refrigerator. He, like, bought me a beer, six-pack, to say sorry. Um, I... Yeah. After he left, I deep-cleaned every single object in the bathroom... because I was very, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, um, I mean, what, like, when I moved out of my apartment, I, like, moved out all of a sudden, and I just called Airbnb and canceled all of the, you know, every single reservation in the future, um, and they said that was fine, actually, so it's, like, completely, like, I thought it was going to be a big mess, but they were like, oh, cool, yeah, we'll just cancel every single reservation. But I still had one currently happening, and it was this, uh, two, a uh, mom and dad, Asian, I, I think they might have been Korean. A mom and dad, Korean, with a little Korean Honestly, I can't tell if it was a boy or a girl because it had one of those bowl cuts. And it was... They were extremely from that country. I don't know what if it was Korea or not. Asian. They were extremely from that country. They were very, like, uh, dressed in a foreign way. And the child was dressed very extravagantly in a f- foreign way. Um, they... <laughs> they were just looking at me so weird because I was moving out the whole apartment like I was just moving everything and I didn't say anything to them because I was so jaded I had been in New York for like five six years inside of Manhattan I was so jaded and I was just like getting the hell out I was like about to just leave New York so I was just emptying the whole apartment while they were staying there and their kid was like crying and like playing with things and stuff like the kid would be playing with something and I would take it nicely out of the kid's hand and like put it in a box to like take it away just they didn't know they literally had no idea if I was a burglar like a burglar or not because I was just emptying out the apartment and I didn't say anything to them and they could tell that there was an animosity like they were mad at me because the experience wasn't good I I guess I left them, dude. They stayed another two days kind of probably not knowing that the owner was gone. They could have lived in that apartment for, like, a month probably without any consequence. Okay, I have to leave you guys. Um, There was just a lot with with my Airbnb. Um, Like, I remember one of my worst reviews ever. Uh, I said... Like I lived basically so so next to Chinatown that I I liked to just say that I lived in Chinatown. I enjoyed living in Ch- Chinatown, but it was technically the Lower East Side, which is a cooler neighborhood. And whatever. Anyways, like Either way, I think both of those neighborhoods are very cool. I really think Chinatown is a cool neighborhood, honestly. And I I advertise on the on Airbnb that I live in a cool neighborhood. <laughs> Some people would say that it isn't cool because Chinatown kind of smells, and some people are racist. I think some people see all the Asians and they're like, Ew, I think that that's what's you know, a lot of people don't really like Chinatown. So, uh, anyways, one of the worst reviews I ever got, um, yeah, I was thinking about another, but the guy was like, oh, her, you know, her neighborhood isn't cool, her house isn't cool, they aren't cool, like, her, me and my boyfriend weren't cool, and he's like, one time, he, he's like, it was disgusting, and one time, I had to translate this from French, he, he got, or uh, from, I think it was German, because I, anyways, he's like, one time, I even stepped on a piece of pasta, uh, or a piece of bow tie pasta, like, he stepped on a piece of bow tie pasta on the ground, and it was, like, the most awful experience because he was barefoot. And it's like, do not... Number one rule, don't walk barefoot in a New York City apartment. Number one. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that guy... I That guy was terrible. He was sitting in this room where you can hear everything in the bathroom to a T. Like, if someone even exhales at all you can hear it like it's like a microphone on the bathroom He was sitting there and I had no idea because it was like 6 a.m. He was sitting in that room where he could hear everything in the bathroom and I had something in my throat um, I I I I don't know what I I forgot but like I was like, um, I was like Like doing that into the sink just like trying to get something out of my throat and I was like gagging into the sink trying to get, like, this hair or something out of my throat. And there was some serious gag because it was 6 a.m., so I was being even more dramatic, like, whatever. And after a long time of that, I walked out, and he was just sitting there traumatized, like, neck... He just looking at me like, oh, my God. Uh, Europeans are the most judgmental, just... It made me really, like... Airbnb hosting for them, it, yeah, it made me have a few resentments, I guess, that is all. But we will, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about other things later. Thank you guys for being here. Bye.